Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. to another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I'm Todd Burlidge, contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated, Associated Press, University of Notre Dame, among a few other outlets. Rags, he's actually doing real work today, real radio work, so he gave me the keys to the toys and games department of radio. I much appreciate it. I'll be joined here in a little bit by Mason Plummer. He's going to talk some recruiting with me and a couple other items. He's from Slap the Sign. You can find him at Twitter, uh, Mason Plummer 6 so he'll be joining me here shortly. Had a chance to catch up with a nice lady, wonderful woman, who talked to the Notre Dame football team this week, basically about how to guard against the entitlement that so many athletes feel. You know, they're showered with gifts, they're showered with praise, and sort of gets to their head. Tries to keep those guys grounded in kind of a way where she was actually sexually assaulted by a couple football players back when she was in school. So she has a strong message that she's trying to pass on to football players all over the country, frankly. And she was here at Notre Dame. I had a chance to catch up with a phone interview with her. So I'll pop that in for you and talk a little bit about that. Then we're going to wrap up the show here with a kind of a quirky scheduling situation that Notre Dame faces this year. And so we'll get into that a little bit. It was pretty interesting. I kind of stumbled across that this week. But as we start every show, I have a three-pack of blue gold nuggets. Let's start with some men's hoops. Mike Bray picked up a transfer this week, a guy by the name of Cormac Ryan. He's a 6'5 shooting guard. Played for Stanford last year. He was just a freshman. Um, He's actually from New York, but played at Stanford uh, let's see here. He appeared in 24 games, made 17 starts, so obviously a regular there. Averaged 8.7 points per game. Actually led the team with 49 three-points, made three-pointers. Also averaged three-and-a-half rebounds and scored at least 10 points in 10 games. So a pretty solid get for Mike Bray. Uh, kind of guy Mike Bray likes. You know, smart, system guy, good shooter, all of those things that Bray looks for in a player. He thinks he found in Cormac Ryan. Obviously, he will have to sit out this coming season and then join the team. He will have three years of eligibility. One other note on the men's hoop side. Former Irish guard Scott Martin. He was the Purdue transfer that came to Notre Dame, I believe it was in 2008. He was kind of plagued by injuries here. Um, he ended up staying until, th- to, until 2012. He averaged 9.5 points a game here at Notre Dame and then went on to play in Europe. He has joined the Irish coaching staff. So I know Mike Bray likes to keep these positions in-house. You have Ryan Ayers uh, and Ryan Humphrey. Uh, so you have some guys here that played under Bray, and he likes to keep it that way. So he's adding another one to his staff. We went on to some football news, and Mason's going to talk quite a bit about Michael Mayer. He is the stud tight end from the 2020 class, the recruit, the committed recruit, who made some big noise at the opening. Uh, again, Mason will break that down a little bit more for you. But anyhow, he has been invited to the All-American Bowl, that it will be Chan January 24th, in, I'm sorry, January 4th in San Antonio, Texas. He'll be joined by three other Notre Dame commitments, wide receiver Jordan Johnson, linebacker Jordan Portello, and offensive lineman Tosh Baker. So a pretty good contingent of Notre Dame players there uh, at the All-American Bowl. And where is my other nugget? I can Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Uh, looking at game secondary ticket prices, the Georgia-Notre Dame game is easily the most coveted ticket in all of college football here in the preseason. 
One seat for that game on the secondary market at VividSeats.com is going for $484. So pony up if you want to go to the Georgia ND game. Interestingly, huge drop-off to second, but it's another Notre Dame game. It's the Notre Dame-USC game, and that checks in at $271 per seat. And then number three right now is the Miami versus Florida game, and that's at $230 a seat, and those are your blue-gold nuggets. So as advertised at the top of the show, we bring in Mason Plummer, our resident recruiting analyst and expert. Mason, how are you today, sir? Doing great, Todd. How you doing, my man? Not too bad, not too bad. Another busy week in recruiting for Notre Dame, especially uh, with the opening out in Oregon here going on last weekend. But before we get to that, and obviously Notre Dame had a nice showing in that, let's go ahead and talk about the two new recruits since last we visited. I want to start with wide receiver Xavier Watts. Uh, he's from Omaha, Nebraska. He's a three-star dude, 6'1", 185. Rated as the number 85 wide receiver in the class. And from what I understand, Mason, being that this is the third wide receiver in this class, this likely fulfills their quote at that position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Watts is a guy that Notre Dame, uh, you know, Brian Polian, Chip Long, Brian Kelly, they were all targeting him from the start. And he's a tough pull in Nebraska kid. A lot of guys in Nebraska, especially in the new Scott Frost era, they stay in Nebraska. Good point. And uh, pulling him out of Nebraska was tough. And it ended up being just between Notre Dame and Nebraska until the very end. And uh, Notre Dame pulled away with him. And Watts is going to be a stud at Notre Dame. Mason, when, but when you look at it, I mean, certainly, you know, three-star, the number 85 wide receiver, what was the attraction? I know they actually gave up recruiting some a couple higher rated guys is it just something they see specifically in this kid well as as you know brian kelly always talks about traits and watts fits he has the traits that kelly's looking for in a wide receiver he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands something that chip long is really looking to implement in this offense not so much a, a go and get it kind of guy but a guy that with the ball in his hands and a screen kind of game that he can make things happen and you're seeing that with guys like chris tyree as well you get the ball in their hands and they make things happen and that's like what kind of player Watts is. And, uh, yeah, you saw them turn down guys like Michael Redding. Yeah, right. So, who was a way higher rated. But uh, Notre Dame could care less about how Watts is a three-star in 24-7 sports. They're looking at the traits and talent he brings to the field, and they think that they really think that he's a four-star wide receiver and someone that they had really high ranked up on their board. Obviously, we're talking about 2020 kids here, so this is well up the line. But when you – let's try to project it anyways because it's what we do – on the show, when you look at Watts at that six one one eighty five, he's kind of a tweener. Would he be a slot guy? Do you see him more of a speed burner on the outside? We're looking at Watts being a slot or an X kind of wide receiver. Um, nobody's going to touch Jordan Johnson outside, but um, yeah, Watts is looking to be that the probably a slot wide receiver. Um, he's going to have tough competition there, but um, but yeah, Watts is a guy. Like I said, you get the ball in his hands in a slot kind of position, he's going to make things happen, and that's a perfect kind of slot guy. Let's move on to cornerback Caleb Oford. Uh, he's a Mississippi kid. I'm, if I, I know it's the first Mississippi kid Brian Kelly has ever landed, and frankly, I can't remember. I meant to look this up. I don't. I don't know if I remember any Notre Dame Mississippi recruits. To be honest with you, he's another three-star kid, six-one, one seventy-three. So pretty good size for a cornerback. Obviously, he's number forty-five rated cornerback in the country. What's your impressions of his? I like Caleb Oford a lot, almost more than Landon Barlson, who they landed the week before. Uh, Offered's a guy that offers Notre Dame. Offered's a guy that offers Notre Dame something a little <laughs> bit different. 
Um, they really like what they see in him. He's another guy like Bartleson that they could see moving to safety right, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're getting a lot of flexible guys who can play multiple positions because the defensive backfield position has been a little bit of a struggle for Notre Dame recently, other than guys like Houston Griffith and uh, Kyle Hamilton. The Notre Dame's struggling to really get top-notch recruits, but they really like what they have in Caleb Offord. Now, I read this, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not 100% sure, and you're obviously the recruiting genius that I am not. I saw where somebody said that with Offord's commitment that Notre Dame has fulfilled its quota for cornerbacks, yet he's the only one, if I'm not mistaken, in this class. Does that sound right to you? They have they have Bartleson as well. Okay. Um, but, yeah, they're... They're kind of weird. They're they're seeing him as almost like a fluid kind of guy, as well as Bartleson, where he could play either safety or corner. So uh, yeah, yeah a it'll, it'll be interesting. Almost. What's that? A couple hybrids almost. Right. Yeah. So they're seeing what they get, and uh, you see that even with guys like Derek Allen and um, uh, Trey Bracy too. The guys that move kind of move back and forth, and Houston Griffiths going back and forth from corner and safety. So you'll see that a lot, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out with Offord. All right, three dudes, three Notre Dame dudes at the opening out in Oregon. Always probably the premier recruiting event now um, in the country. Uh, Actually, it was in Texas this year, um, but uh, it it was based in Oregon at one point. Three Notre Dame players, Michael Mayer, Chris Tyree, obviously Mayer, the tight end stud, Chris Tyree, the running back, a recent recruit, a recent commitment, and Drew Pine, the quarterback who's been around this, uh, this program now for a while, as far as a commitment anyways. Give me the rundown of these three guys because they made a lot of headlines. Right, yeah. Michael Mayer is probably the one that got talked about the most. An absolute monster. And uh, I followed the, the opening for a couple of years now. And when when you look at you got the guy that wins MVP, you see a wide receiver, a running back, a quarterback normally. You know what I mean? The the highly touted skill position guys. When's the last time you see a tight end right. winning he, every single 50-50 ball that was thrown up to him by Drew Pine, no less? Uh, he's winning every single one. And uh, he's a guy that I'm, I can't wait to see play at Notre Dame. And with how uh, tight end recruiting is gone, if Cole Komet has a breakout season like we're expecting him to, you could see a three-year start in Michael Mayer. He's that good. It's crazy to me because we talked about it a little bit last show and that you know these kids that are really top-notch, and he is rated by 24-7 sports as the number one tight end in the country. And you know what is he already? Uh, six foot five, 240 pounds. You know, I, I, I'm always impressed how, and there's a great, great players in front of him even, in classes right in front of him. But yet they never back down from this challenge, and I think you you see why when you watched his highlights at the opening. Some of the words I heard were scary. Drew Pine called him unguardable. This dude could really be a stud. Absolutely, yeah, and it's way too early to draw comparisons to Rob Gronkowski, but he's been called baby Gronk <laughs> nice. by by really highly touted recruiting analysts that are seeing this guy, and they're like, wow, he is for real. And uh, yeah, if Notre Dame had a baby Gronk, I wouldn't be upset. No, no, who would be, right? Chris Tyree, um... He is considered maybe one of the speediest backs Notre Dame has ever had, and he certainly proved that point as he won the fastest man title at the opening. He beat an Ohio State wide receiver uh, commit in that uh, to win that title. He actually before the final, he actually posted a four point three seven. Mason, you're probably aware of that, but I thought I'd bring it up because that was very impressive. What did you take away from Tyree's performance? Well, winning something once is impressive, but winning it twice is otherworldly and that's what you're seeing in Tyree back to back times he's won it at the opening fastest man competition there's a lot of quick guys out there and for Notre Dame to have the quickest guy in the competition that's really saying something and uh if you there's videos all over on the openings Twitter that I was watching of Tyree winning it and he it, it was by a landslide he's kind of jogging at the yeah, end right. looking back at his competition 
And uh, yeah, it, it's great to see and uh, a guy that's so confident like Tyree winning that and uh, just just looking good doing it. Yeah, it, very impressive stuff. I, I'm almost wondering if this performance at the opening might indeed, when the new rankings come out, might help his case a little bit. I know it's just straight line speed, so perhaps that's not a big thing. Did you see much of the other drills, the back-and-forth drills, the one-on-one drills that, that jumped out at you? He looked really good. He's making top, top-notch top recruits miss and making them look, look, look silly almost. Uh, Tyree, he's such a shifty guy. He's not the, the typical runner that Notre Dame's had in recent years, a, a Josh Adams or Dexter Williams, where they'll run through the tackles, kind of run over some guys. Tyree is going to make you miss. Uh, not that he's afraid to run through the tackles, but uh, much more of a shifty kind of guy rather than run straight up the gut. So... Um, but yeah, he's he's making guys miss and he's looking really solid. Yeah, elusive, uh, definitely an elusive guy. Drew Pine. Yeah, made, yeah, made it into the elite eleven. I saw at one point I saw he was rated as the fifth best quarterback at this thing, and these are the top notch dudes here. So uh, what you what you take away from him? Yeah, so Pine uh, initially he was he was looking at being probably the tenth or eleventh guy. He he was glad to be there, but he really showed out and uh, yeah, ended up in the at the fourth day being the fifth rated quarterback. And that's what you want to see from an Notre Dame commit. He previously he was rated only a three star, right. so not a lot of people were super hype on him. He was rated as a thirteenth pro style quarterback. But in a recent twenty four seven sports uh, re ranking, they got him as a, as a ninety three overall, a four star recruit, and the sixth rated pro style passer. And uh, that's good to see. It's good to see that they gave him some credit for really showing out at the opening. Uh, the only concern was uh, was the, the arm strength was yeah. a little bit lacking, but uh, he had a great connection with Michael Mayer. Would you? Yeah, that was the, that's what I took away from it for sure. I mean, is it easy to compare him to Ian Book? I see it from an accuracy standpoint. Uh, besides that, they look a little bit similar as well. Um, but yeah, um, he's very accurate with the ball. Anything within you know from the line of scrimmage to twenty yards, he's hitting he's hitting the guy in the numbers. But past that, it was charted that he he only threw the ball forty nine yards down the field, and he's going to improve arm strength wise. But uh, you're seeing other guys, other the top five, the you know four through one, other quarterbacks, they're throwing at 60, okay. 65. So he, uh, in a way, he's very accurate in the short game as Book is. But once it gets to the long throws, he uh, struggles a little bit as Book does as well. So it'll be interesting. Has some work to do for sure. Okay, we were kind of talking a little bit off air before we got on here, talking about future targets and kind of just sort of give me an overview of how this 2020 class looks to you to this point what's left and where, the direction you think Notre Dame needs and wants to go. Yeah, so the 2020 class, no complaints. You know, Notre Dame has been stuck in a proverbial uh, 10 to 15 ranking. You know, they they can't seem to break in the top five, but they're doing it in this class, especially if they can land one of these next three guys I'm going to talk about. I preview them in an article that should be dropping within the next 24 hours or so, um, looking at the safety position on Slap the Sign. You'll find that, and I'll uh, I'll have it on my Twitter, at MesaPlumber6. Um, yeah, so I'm highlighting three guys. I'll give you a little sneak peek of that. So the first guy who's actually announcing his commitment within the next week is Lathan Ransom, a 6'2", 200-pound safety. It looks like right now it's a three-horse race between Texas, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame's not quite favored. You know, Texas and Ohio State are known for their defensive back recruits, but um, still has a shot. He can't stop saying enough positive things about Notre Dame, and, you know, it's all semantics at that point, but... Uh, it's good to see. You know, it's better than nothing. Um, he's a top-notch talent in this class and someone that could really transcend the safety position. And then second, 
Jaron Thompson, a six foot, 185 pound safety. Uh, Notre Dame, they're going to wait to push up the heat on on Thompson, and I think he's okay with that. No one really knows where his head's at in terms okay. of commitment. He doesn't have a real big offer sheet or anything like that, but Notre Dame's going to wait to see where Ransom goes. They're not really expecting to land him, but in the off chance they do, they're going to shut down the safety commitment, and, or the safety recruitment, I should say. And then, But if they don't land Ransom, Thompson pushes up to the top, the top of the board. He's ranked as number 14 safety on 24-7 sports. And uh, he's scheduled for an official visit in September. No one knows exactly when it is, but he does want to be there for a game day Saturday. So that's good to see from Thompson. And then the third on the list is uh, a little bit of a guy that not quietly, quite as talked about as uh, Thompson and Ransom, Malcolm Green. He set an official visit in September if Notre Dame whips on Ransom and Thompson. So we'll just see how that shakes out. But, um yeah, so other than that, Notre Dame might look at another defensive end or linebacker just for numbers-wise, but they are they look pretty set with the 17 at the moment. Now, do you feel like, is the rhythm right? I mean, are, I, 17 seems right on pace. You know, they've, they've accomplished a lot of their recruiting goals, filled a lot of needs, and they're at a good number now where they can sort of cherry-pick a little bit for what they want to do. Do you like the rhythm they put together at the pace they've signed these guys? The pace has been great. You know, the past couple months have been almost a whirlwind of just top-notch recruit over and over and over and over. But um, seemed to have lost a little bit of momentum. You know, Watt, pick up Watson offered was good, but losing out on within a, within a week, it was losing out on Henning and McMillan, and then before that, it was Braden McGregor, and that's a little bit rough from a momentum standpoint. Sure, you got to feel like if Notre Dame lands one of those guys, and another one comes, you know, almost a domino kind of effect. But yeah, they're in a good position. They filled holes where they need to. And not right now, like you said, they're picking and choosing who they want and guys they don't want, they're kind of telling them to just look at their other options. But, yeah, so any of these three safeties, they feel very confident that if they were to choose Notre Dame that they'd be great fits. Mason, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here in a little bit, but um, I, at first I want you to go ahead and tell folks where they can find you again, what you're up to, and how they can track your work. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at MasonPlumber6. I'm writing for Slap the Sign. Uh, other than that, I've been on here once a week with you, enjoying doing this. Uh, talking recruiting is one of my favorite things to do, especially on a play, at a place like this. And then, yeah, I have a new new article highlighting way, in way more detail about the safety recruitment of Malcolm Green, Jaron Thompson, and Lathan Ransom, an article that should be dropping within the next 24 hours or so. I'll be sure to tweet that out as soon as it comes out. You can find that on Slap the Sign and on my Twitter account. All right, excellent. Mason, we mentioned the opening, and I had a chance to catch up with a woman. Kind of a tragic story, but kind of an inspiring story as well. Her name is Brenda Tracy. She's 45 years old now. She was actually at the opening last weekend talking to kids in Texas about this particular topic, and then she came to Notre Dame on Monday. Brenda's story is that 21 years ago, as a student at Oregon State, she was gang raped. And some of the folks that were part of that rape were members of the Oregon State football team. And basically, once she made the allegations and filed the police report, the kids got a one-game suspension. And that was that. Nothing else was never. Nothing else was ever made of it. So she ends up kind of making life's mission to go out to these football teams. Not not. In any way of kind of, you know, pointing the finger at guys, not in any kind of caustic way, but to educate these kids on what they're up against and the influence they can make being a Notre Dame football player, being any kind of top college football player. 
you know, the, the clout, the influence they hold in the community is so important. They can bring such a positive message. So I want to pop this interview that I had in with her, Mason, and I kind of want to get your reaction because you're a college kid, so you have a much better perspective than I do. So let's listen to this, and we'll check right back. And indeed, there is sort of this culture of entitled. Where do you think that comes from? So there's something that stirs in us in a very emotional level. Um, but at the same time, we are, you know, placing this entitlement on these athletes that can go very wrong if, if left unchecked. So we need to really think about what, what are we really doing? Are we helping these athletes? Are we harming them? Are we harming society, you know, by just kind of giving all these athletes a pass? I mean, I, I ask my guys all the time, you know, people think you're a hero, but are you? Just because you can run fast, well, how does that make you a hero? Now you have the Internet and you have recruiting sites. So these kids are starting to get a lot of this treatment, having that culture built in, you know, all the way back to their oh, early high school sure. years. I was just at the, at the opening with the top 100. I think there's 130 guys there, the top sure. recruit, football recruits from the country. And they have tens of thousands of followers already. They're already verified on their accounts. They already have fan bases. It's hard. And, and I try to talk to them, you know, about the fact that even just sports is something you do. It's not who you are. You know, your 40 time doesn't tell me anything about who you're going to be today or who you're going to be as a father or a husband or a partner or there's a person in the community. So, yeah, we, we got to do better. So when, you, when you're talking about these student-athletes, they carry a lot of clout. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I have, you know, this theory of I want to – well, as one person, I'm trying to change the culture, right? So it's kind of right. like how, – <laughs> how, I mean, I have the odd to do the things that I could do it. Um, but it's kind of like, okay, when you do that, how, how, do you, how do you do that? And I knew that my passion was working with men. I knew that there was, there was a gap there. Like, women are doing this work, and I think if women could stop sexual violence, we would have already done it. I wouldn't exist as a rape survivor. So I knew that men were the – I don't want to say issue, but I knew that men were the missing component. And so it's kind of like, how do I get to men? And I thought, well, sports. And, and it also just fits with my story really well. So I used the vehicle of, of men in sports to change a culture – um, but you're right about the ripple effect. The ripple effect from sports programs and these athletes is tremendous. And I like to work smarter and not harder. I got to do some fast work. So if I can hit that those 100 guys on that football team and get them signed on and get them active, then, you know, who knows what happens from there. Last one for me, I guess, when you were here a little bit more uh, local, when you were here, what was kind of your impressions of sort of the Notre Dame culture, perhaps even the players in general? Um, and so, you know, I knew kind of going in, I was kind of like, okay, I'm pretty raw and unedited, and I talk about real life stuff, and I'm very graphic about my story. And so, I kind of wondered, you know, are they are they going to be okay? Right? A lot of times, religious based institutions want to kind of filter things, and I didn't get that when I got there. Um, the the head coach said, "Do your thing. They they need to hear it. It's real life." And I got that from the athletic staff, and I really appreciated that. Um, and the guys responded well, like like every other student and athlete at every other college. Our students deserve honesty. They deserve transparency. These are real things that they're dealing with, and they need people to talk to them. And they appreciate the honesty. And you you, you can see that. You know, they when I'm done, they hug me, they thank me, they share their stories with me, they follow me. They shout me on social media. They stay in touch with me. It's really quite incredible what can happen when you really actually sit down with these young men and talk to them. So, Mason, the thing that I sort of take away from that is these student athletes, and maybe any college kid in general, they're up. It's kind of a 
catch 22, especially for the football players. You're high profile, so everybody wants a piece of you, right? Everybody wants a piece of you, and, and people are waiting to take from you, scam from you. But on the other side of the coin, there's this sense of entitlement that you have. You can take, go take whatever you want. That balance has to be really tough for these kids, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. The especially if you're if you're a top notch player, if you're you know a guy at Oregon State or Notre Dame, the two programs you mentioned, people know who you are. And like you said, uh, if you're not careful, they'll take advantage of you in in an instant. And uh, yeah, it's something that you really got to be careful of, and something that Brenna Tracy, as you stated, she's uh, she's doing she's helping these players out. Yeah, she's been to 80 different campuses talking to football programs. She was very well received here at Notre Dame, and you understand her message very bright. Uh, also talks to a lot of high school uh, teams as well. As a matter of fact, she has a uh, she has a date with the Baltimore Ravens, which is kind of interesting when you think of the Ray Rice situation. So she's doing good work for sure. Mason, I will dismiss you. I have a little bit of time to kill on the back end of this. I'm going to do this goofy little schedule breakdown, but I'll cut you loose. Thank you very much for your time, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I mentioned it. at the top of the show, there's kind of this interesting scheduling quirk here for Notre Dame. Um, basically what's happened this year is because Labor Day kind of falls in, in a weird time slot on the calendar, therefore Thanksgiving does, and therefore you have 14 college football Saturdays. It's kind of a rare, it's, it's kind of a rarity actually. Typically there's always the 13, so you get one bye week. Because there's 14 football game weekends this year, every team's going to get two bye weeks, okay? So what that has amounted to though, interestingly, if you look at Notre Dame's 12 games, okay? We're going to throw Louisville out since that's the opener. No point in talking about a bye week leading into an opener. So we'll talk about the 11 other opponents. Seven of them. Seven of Notre Dame's 11 opponents other than Louisville will be coming off a bye. Let me run this down. So that's going to be an interesting quirk for Notre Dame to deal with. A lot of extra prep time for its opponents here. Mention Louisville. September 2nd, uh, the Cardinals have lost nine straight. Uh, 9-14, home against New Mexico. New Mexico coming off a bye. Now, Notre Dame will be coming off a bye as well. Gets the week off after that Louisville game. 9-21 at Georgia. Georgia plays Arkansas State the week before. And then 9-28 versus Virginia. Virginia plays Old Dominion the week before. Here's the long string of them here. Bowling Green on 10-5 comes to Notre Dame Stadium. They're off a bye. USC on 10-12. They're off a bye. Now, Notre Dame does have a bye here after the USC game and in between the Michigan game. So this one actually works in Notre Dame's favor. 10-26, Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan will be coming off a game at Penn State. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is coming off an, its second bye. Virginia Tech on November 2nd. Virginia Tech, bye. 11-9 at Duke. Duke, bye. 11-16 versus Navy. Navy also coming off a bye. And then 11-23 versus BC. BC coming off a bye. You see a pattern developing here. And then finally 11-30 at Stanford. Stanford will play Cal the week before, so Stanford is not off a bye. But just kind of an interesting little schedule quirk that seven of Notre Dame's 12 opponents this year will be coming off a bye week. And, folks, that's our show. Thanks to Mason Plummer for coming on. Thanks to, for Dio, thanks to Dio McComb for sponsoring us. Uh, find us anywhere you do find your podcast. Share us, rate us. Keep us hopping. We like our little show, so we want you to pass it around, and we'll chat next week. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. 
podcast by Federated Media.